Wow, so we just got in the freshest shipment of quack. Like, this is straight off the boat. Uh, we are recording this literally three minutes after Oregon. What what word would you describe that went? Like, what word would you use to describe? Anarchy. Like, escape? Like, like I... I... I'm picturing the scene from Talladega Nights where the little redheaded kid is just running around and going, Anarchy! (laughs) I don't know what it means, but I love it. Like, oh my god. This game was way too much. Yeah, so quick, quick rundown for if if any of you missed the, uh, just whatever just happened. Um, Oregon basically mopped the floor with Arizona in the first half and they were up by I think like 15 at the half and then you know you knew you knew Arizona wasn't going down without a fight so they chip away they chip away and then Oregon was up by like six I think with like less than a minute left and Arizona went on they went on a run to to end the game and they were down by one after, I think, what, Gabe York or someone drained a three with point seven seconds, seven seconds left. Yeah, it was Gabe York. Uh, I think it was Chris Boucher tried to inbound the ball, turned it over, oh Arizona stole it, sh- shot the ball up, got fouled. The guy who went to the line was an 83% free throw shooter with a chance to win the game, and he missed the first free throw. Long this was really short. the best. That was the best. Yeah. As soon as as soon as he as soon as the announcer said that he was an eighty three percent free throw shooter, I was like, "Well, had a good run. Knew it was gonna be a tough game." I was infuriating. And then he missed it. He missed it. And it was the first one too. So like the second free throw was like just gravy. Like I don't even care at this point. We're still yeah. playing. The set when he made the second one, I was just like, "I'll take it." Yeah. <laughs> No matter what happened, no matter what happens in overtime, I'm cool that we at least got there. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, it was such a mix, too, because the last four minutes of the first half was absolutely amazing. It was like Max. a, uh, I think they had just like a 15 I think Oregon went on like a 15-2 run to close out the half. Yeah, and that was in four minutes. That also included... A uh, Elgin Cook making a layup, and then six seconds later, Gabe York. Or no, Elgin Cook made a layup, made a layup off of a steal. Gabe York inbounding it, threw it directly at Dwayne Benjamin, who then made another layup. Like the the only reason I know that happened is because Bill Walton said it did. <laughs> and, and whatever because, Bill Walton says goes. Yeah, well, the camera totally panned away. They were following somebody else down the court, and Bill Walton goes, yeah. oh, and they just inbounded it to Dwayne Benjamin. That was my Bill Walton impression. Um, and it, you, it just cuts to him, and he's already, like, jogging back on defense. Yeah. Totally missed it. Um, and so I was feeling great. Oh, yeah, and then Dylan Brooks had a huge slam at the end of the half, and it was like, perfect. This is how the game's going to go. This is it. This is over. People were like, good night. I also want to point out, the Pac-12 network commentator thought that Arizona should bring out, quote-unquote, the Street Fighters. The Street Fighters. 
All right, then. <laughs> the Street Fighters. Okay. Sure. Let's just turn this into a bloodbath. Yeah, it's like bring out your hockey enforcers. <laughs> yeah, I think... Uh, oh, I also like following uh, former managing editor of Addicted Quack, David Piper's tweets during this. Oh, yeah. Uh, when he's not spitting straight fire during presidential election debates. Uh, he wrote... Uh, The, uh, after the inbound pass, he wrote, the worst inbound pass in the history of basketball. Good God. That's a, that's a fair assessment. Yeah, still trying to comprehend that game. One of the most insane games I have ever seen. Yeah, that was that was peak Pac-12 after dark. I, peak. I would confidently say that, at least in basketball, that's the most insane finish I've ever witnessed in my entire life. I think I might rank that finish of the game second in any sporting event I've ever watched in my life behind Super Bowl 49. Wow, that is a huge statement. Yeah, I I can't and maybe that's just like the pure shock of like we're literally recording this like 5 minutes after the game ended, but yeah. I I legit can't think of anything that tops it. Like we are mid quack high right now. Yeah. That so was... yeah. So Oregon's advancing the championship game, and they'll play the winner of the California Utah game, which is going on now as we record this. I think Dana. I'm watching Dana Altman get interviewed right now. Has ca- by the time this goes up, Utah Colorado will be playing, which is. Yeah, this game was something else. And this game was entirely played for uh played by the starters too. So yeah. In 45 minutes, like I'm looking at the box score right now. Uh from Air, from Oregon. Uh 21 points from the bench that was Bell and Benjamin. Benjamin who came in like barely being able to walk. Uh yeah, Benjamin went all Paul Pierce on us there. Yeah, that was it. I was thinking Dwayne Wade, but it was Paul Pierce against yeah. the Heat. He's like, you know, he's like, all right, we'll see if he can even, we'll yeah. see, we'll see if he can even run down the court, and then he just pops a three. Yeah, and he's playing on one leg, gets a huge rebound at the end of a half, or at uh, near the end of it to like really seal it. Uh, <laughs> Cook was fire, twenty-two points. Dylan Brooke with 19 points. Dorsey with 19 points. Boucher did not have a great game, but I guess he earned it after yesterday's game. Yeah, he he went off yesterday, and that was, you know, over the past couple of days, that's that's really the strength of this team. Like, you just see the balance of scoring. We've talked about this all year long. Like, last night you had four of Oregon starters score 15-plus points. Tonight you had three out of the five of them score 19 or more like there's just so many different ways they can beat you and if like one it's not like when when joe young was on this team like if he goes cold or screwed you know it's it's like if tyler dorsey goes cold okay then we got elgin cook if dylan brooks goes cold okay we've got chris boucher you know we've got there's always someone yeah 
So, huge. Um, I love this team. Yeah. I love this I, team. I would, I think it's very close that, that Oregon locked up a two seed with this win. Oh, yeah. Well, do they lock up a two seed if they don't win? That's the thing is, like, do they still get it if if they don't or if they lose tomorrow? If they lose, I can see them getting a three seed. Yeah. So I'm, I'm looking at us getting a three seed. I, I've, I've been introduced to kind of a, a cool site. I wish I knew more. I wish I knew of earlier, but it's called Bracket Matrix. And it's useful because it link it like pulls together all of the projections of like the brackets out there, uh-huh. um, like ESPN, CBS, like everyone. It pulls together a whole bunch of them. Oh, um, this is dangerous. And so it, many numbers. Yeah, it's all the numbers. Um, but it's really simple. It just like pulls together all the projections um, and pulls together their average seed and like basically fills out you know who all the seeds are so right now there are so many factors that go into this yeah the the one seeds are kansas villanova virginia oklahoma and then the two seeds are michigan state north carolina xavier and oregon oregon's got a fair number of ones in theirs too Mm -hmm. although also fair number threes but a fair number of ones yeah and i i had made you know, it, it's. I, I mean, it's, I don't think it's going to happen anymore. But there was a point today where some of those one seeds had some really tough games, and the two, some of other two seeds ahead of them had some really tough games. That being said, I think everyone took care of business. I don't think there were any like massive upsets. Yeah. Um. But it, I, I think, I think Oregon will. I would be surprised if, if they didn't get a two seed. Yeah, I think the two seed's pretty safe. Um, but you know, even if they get a three seed, like it's not the end of the world. No, they'll get a two seed. God, Oregon basketball is a two seed. What a time to be alive! <laughs> what a time to be alive! <laughs> oh man. Um, yeah. So while that was happening track and field was going on yeah um i would i would like to make the claim that edward cheserick is not a human he's actually a robot um i i came home and uh my girlfriend had the the track meet on tv and of course of course of course, of of course, course. this is what happens you're, this is what happens when you have two runners in the house yeah uh, but I, I get home just in time for the men's distance medley relay, and um, which is just a fantastic event, by the way. Um, it, for those if for those of you who are not familiar with the sport of track and field, a distance medley relay is made up of a twelve hundred meter leg, which is when you're running outdoors three laps. 400-meter leg, 800-meter leg, and then a 1,600-meter leg, which is a mile for those of you who did not excel in math growing up. But those who so, you don't math. But Edward Treserick comes in on 
literally 30 minutes of rest from, I, I don't, re- I'm going to assume it was off the 5,000. I might be wrong, but um, he came off of 30 minutes of rest and he was racing against guys who had fresh legs. Yeah. And he, yeah, <laughs> here's a here's a headline. Edward Cheswick adds to his legacy with ridiculous double at NCAA championships. Like ridiculous is the only way to describe it. Mm-hmm. So he he won the 5K in 13 minutes and 47 seconds. And a half hour later, he ran 3.52 in the 1600. So basically a 3.52 mile. Um, wait, wait, wait. Say that again? <laughs> basically a 3.52 mile. <laughs> Remember when they, people didn't think that was possible? Yeah, now it's just routine. Yeah, now he's just averaging a 3.52. Um, yeah, he, he did that in a half hour. And uh, he just, he smoked the guy who he was trailing behind. Just absolutely smoked him. It was amazing. So he's like the greatest ever. I think too, like I always thought at football games, I always had like little videos of him during uh, like TV timeouts and stuff. And it was mm-hmm. always like him finishing, and I always remember: is anybody else running against him? Because you would come over the finish line, and it would just be him by himself, like as far as the eye could see. Yeah, exactly. He just cruises; like he's so much further ahead of anyone else he runs against. Like it's ridiculous. He had a great, um, he had like a great little rivalry going with Arizona's Lolly Lalang, which is the only guy I've ever seen who can beat him at anything. Um, I think he lost some races to Lalang, who now I'm pretty sure runs professionally. But okay, he's just got like the the key to being like a successful distance runner in college is you need. You need to be able to maintain, and then you need to be able to, like, save enough energy to have a blistering kick. Because if you can... Sounds simple enough. It sounds, you know. <laughs> you just got to run at, like, a, a 4.15, 4.30 mile pace and then keep going. Um, okay, it's not too hard. Just routine. But, uh, I mean, that's the way that you win races these days, which would make prefontaine roll over in his grave but that's the like that's the way that that cheswick wins he just like hangs on the back of these guys and then he just embarrasses them on the last lap he's like okay i'm gonna go now see you guys later all right cool we're done with the warm-up all right see ya um and then of course devin allen is still killing it in the hurdles yeah ridiculous and now he's back to full speed so i'm glad we get to see a lot more of him this year yeah, that'll be that'll be nice. I'm is Farrell Brown gonna be back? Farrell Brown has to be back. He's been he was like doing warm ups and pads at the end of last season. Yeah, which is still like science. Like the guy could have died. Yeah, he he almost had to have his leg amputated, and he was yeah. warming up at the end of last year. He was like jumping a rope in like week four. 
Yeah, I don't I don't see anything of him recent news, but I hope he's doing well. Yeah, I'm sure he is. Uh, NFL com or NFL Pro Day happened. Yes. Uh, Vernon Adams is a guy that will just not go away. He keeps getting all this, uh, like, all the attention. Like, he proves his case. He's looking great. Like, if he was six foot, he would not have you having these problems. Oh, yeah, exactly. It's like a a difference of two feet. Or two inches, excuse me. Difference of two inches. Um... Let me look at this. Okay, so I think this was like pretty uneventful after the biggest names uh, partook in the combine. Like all the all the big players are going to get drafted. So the pro day is mostly for you see a lot more quarterbacks operate in pro day because they get to play with their receivers and everything is really well scripted. Right. Um, exactly. It's like if you if you're at the combine as a quarterback, like you could look a lot worse than you actually are because you're going to be working with a receiver who's like not on the same page as you. Exactly. And then the schools are able to run drills more tailored to what the players does best at. It's basically the perfect chance for them to show off what they can really do. Yeah, it's it's like a more accurate representation of their skills and how like how they would run an offense and yeah. Um, so yeah. So Vernon Adams was there. He said he talked to the media afterwards, and he gave himself a B rating. Very humble. Very humble. Um, Buckner bench pressed twenty one, two hundred twenty five pounds twenty one times. Um, Balducci has a thirty three inch vertical leap. That is actually pretty impressive. 25 um, reps, 4.5 seconds in the 20-yard shuttle. Yeah, see, but the bench press the bench press numbers are literally the most overrated number of all time. If you yeah. hit 17 as a lineman, you're fine. Absolutely fine. So. Joe Walker's got a 37.5-inch vertical. You're in a 4.640? That is very I fast want- than what he looks like playing. I want Joe Walker to do well. I like that guy. Yeah. Yeah, it's so tough kind of judging, like, how good some of these individual players are. Mm-hmm. Like, because if you look at Buckner's statistics, they don't look great. But when yeah. you look at the film, he's just doubled every single time. Yeah, and he didn't – all he did was he just benched at Pro Day. Like, he doesn't need to do much. He's going to be a top ten pick. He's, he's set. Oh, yeah. Because just, like, his ceiling is so high. Yeah. And, like, his biggest weakness is, like, not being that fast, even for a defensive lineman, and playing really high. So. Um, Let's see. I'm checking the, the Monday morning quarterback mock draft as of yesterday. This is with free agency factored in. Oh, yeah, so the Tennessee Titans uh, brought in DeMarco Murray mm-hmm. um, for to be paired in the backfield with Marcus Mariota. Which I think would be good, because I've always liked the, the combination of a 
if if he can like return to form, you know, a big time running back kind of taking the pressure off a young quarterback. Yeah, I think, that, I think that'll be good for him. So I'm yeah. hoping that pans out. I mean, he is significantly better. I'm one of the guys that's like running backs for the most part are pretty replaceable. Mm-hmm. That's why the tight. That's why the Patriots have had like twelve different running backs start for them in the last like two seasons. Yeah. Like, they're signing, like, uh, Steven Jackson with, like, two weeks to go left in this season. Like, yeah, just come on. Just come on. Just it's easy. Any, anyone can play. It's easy. A guy in Section 141 wants to play, bring him down. Bring yeah, him down. exactly. Um, but bringing in DeMarco Murray is such a huge step. He can catch passes. Super durable. His contract isn't ridiculous. So it doesn't, like, just crunch their cap numbers so that they can bring in other good people. Yeah. Um, so Tennessee Titans are still uh, projected to take offensive tackle from Ole Miss, Laramie Tunsil. Guess who? Uh, guess guess who? Old Chip is taken at number seven according to this draft. Jared Goff. No. DeForest Buckner. I if he's there at seven, he yeah. will be taken at seven. I, well, I think- do not believe that he will fall that fall that far when there's the Chargers the Cowboys and the Ravens ahead of the 49ers. Yeah. So this one has this mock draft has the chargers taken Jalen Ramsey, who I've seen going number one in some other mock drafts, which is absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, you could go number one. Miles Jack from UCLA going number four to the Cowboys. And then Joey Bosa, number five going to, going to the Jaguars. Mm Mm-hmm. Ronnie Stanley from Notre Dame going to the Ravens, and then Buckner going to the Niners. Huh. Ronnie Stanley going to the Ravens. Okay, okay, I can see that. Mm-hmm. I can see all that. I just... You know what? You know what could happen, though? The Jaguars. Here's why I picked that, because they just signed Chris Ivory, so you know they're still not making smart moves. Uh, Jaguars are afraid. I bet we're going to hear a lot of stories coming out about Jalen Ramsey like going high and everything. Mm-hmm. Jaguars are going to make a scrambled pick, trade up to the Titans. Titans are just going to go down four spots, get a couple other draft picks, still draft one of the like, like one of the top tackles in the class. Oh yeah, and then they'll have two more picks. I I really I, I do think that they, considering with um, considering the fact of like what like what the projections are, and you know everyone's saying oh just you know just take is it Tunsil Tunsil you you know how we are at pronunciations on this show optional optional we just wing it. Um, you could trade, you know, we've like, like you've said, we could, you could trade that pick, still get him probably, or someone just as good, and then get more out of it. And then you, you know, you basically like, you know, dangle that pick to desperate teams who will give up way too much for it. Uh huh. So, I mean, the best case, Tunsil is obviously a great pickup. Like, that's fantastic. I yeah. think the Titans would have slightly more value trading down. Yeah. So, 
offensive lineman though has to be the first pick yeah do you think Carson Wentz just like Googles his name right now and keeps seeing him go to the Browns and he's just like "Ah." I would be but I kind of have faith in the Browns bringing in so many outsiders I just brought a baseball guy in Mm-hmm. Like, so you think they could be on the uprise? Yes. I, I at least think they won't make any really, really dumb choices anymore. Yeah. I think they've the kind of... things now. I think they've probably kind of wised up after the whole Johnny Manziel experiment. And, you know, it, it's... I don't know. I, I, kept, see, I kept seeing... Uh, I haven't seen Jared Goff up in that top spot for a while. And what top spot? Uh so I, I mean I I used to see the uh I used to see Jared Goff going to going to the Browns for a while until until Wentz came along. I think Goff but is now, the best quarterback even though yeah. Carson's this, like pretty exciting. Yeah, in this one he falls out of the top 10, but I I think if I was the Browns, I I think Goff would be a better pick. Which means they'll take Carson. Yes, which means he will be the latest addition to the ever-growing Browns quarterback jersey. Graveyard. Yeah, so the Browns released Johnny Manziel today. Oh, did that happen? I missed that. Yeah, it happened. It happened. It was bound to happen. Yeah, and even in the uh, in the Bruce Feldman's the QB... He has like Johnny Manziel is one of like the focus points of that book because that's when he was like coming out of high school. That's when he like started writing it, I think, and like he was still writing it during Manziel just killing it at Tamu. Um, <laughs> and it was interesting because one of the people who was left anonymous on in the book was like, "Yeah, it's all about how he handles outside distractions and." A couple of us don't think he will handle it well. Shocking. <laughs> I'm shocked. Like, honestly, as a fan, I love Johnny Manziel because he was just absolute chaos. You never knew what was going to happen for better and for worse. If I was an NFL GM, there's no way I'm drafting him. Yeah. Would not touch him with a 50-foot bowl. Yeah. And so, when... Uh, I. I they spent. There's a report that came out that the Browns spent a million dollars trying to figure out which quarterback they should draft, uh, and the numbers said to draft Teddy Bridgewater. So of course they don't do that, and then draft Johnny Manziel. Of course, of course. Obviously, you just spent like a million dollars trying to answer a question. You get the answer. Like, nah, I'm gonna do this other thing. Um. Okay. So, Mel Kiper. Has DeForest Buckner going fourth to the Dallas Cowboys. Um, fun note, Ezekiel Elliott is six months younger than Leonard Fournette. All right, then. And meanwhile, Ezekiel Elliott just left early to go to the pros, and uh, Leonard Fournette is still ineligible to go to the pros. Look at that. Funny how that works. Yeah. I think Buckner's the only player picked... Uh, only duck player picked to go in the first round. Oh, Packers. Kamali Correa. He's okay, except he's from Boise State. 
as a minority shareholder of the Green Bay Packers. Um, DeForest Buckner is slated as the third overall pick by the Melkhyber. Select so good. He's the number three draft pick or number three best player after Joey Bosa, who's mm-hmm. going to go later just because of team needs. And right. Laramie Tunsil, who's going to go number one because that's the Tennessee Titans need. Um, yeah, the only, this is one of the things I brought up was Buckner's speed. The only thing that is worrisome about uh, Buckner is A, how high he plays. B, the red flag for 40 yard dash for his position is a 4.9. He ran a 5.05. Ooh. Which is not good. Um, but then again, he's like a 3-4 defensive end. So it's not like he necessarily needs to be exceptionally fast. Right. It's still better to be fast. All things being equal. So... Um, yeah, so that's what the draft is looking like. That is still in a couple months from now, so don't worry. This meat market is not over yet. We're going to hear a bunch of really dumb stuff um, because the NFL draft process, home of where players are asked what their sexual orientation is. Yeah, just the ridiculous questions and it's it's like a a annual theme of like what was the most ridiculous question asked at the combine this year yeah i think the cake the one that took the cake was do you like men Mm -hmm. there's another one that was like uh would you rather kill someone with a knife or a gun and why jesus that is dark yeah I mean, yeah, and I we've mean, talked about you have how to know the NFL. answer to that question, though. Like, what are you going to do? What's your answer? <laughs> you got to answer it. Yeah, what's your answer? <laughs> what, if you, <laughs> what if you just had a guy who was just like, answered it just straight up, was like, I like to use a knife. I like the experience to be a little bit more personal. Or what and if just, you answered like, it in the past tense? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it's one time. Well, I mean, from experience, I always prefer the gun over the knife. <laughs> I mean, if I had to do it again, I would use the knife. (laughs) (laughs) The room just falls silent. Yeah. (laughs) All right. That'll that'll do it. All right. Um, And then the last point I want to make, Rob Mosley put out a great tweet to uh, Jeff Schwartz, who does a podcast about football and stuff. And it's like uh, super football. He was talking about... Uh, he spent him and the co-host whose name I'm forgetting they spent 15 minutes talking about the impact of blocking below the thigh or blocking on like the quad compared to blocking below the knee they spent like 15 minutes about like how that makes it tougher for like a running back and blockers and what that means in like overall gameplay and how that affects like passing and rushing and stuff I was just like, this is the nerdy, the biggest football nerd conversation I've ever heard. Jesus. Um, so they spent a lot of time, though, talking about um, the 3-4 versus the 4-3. So 
So I talked about the 4-3 under compared to the over, compared to a 3-4. Um, so the only reason I bring that up is because Oregon is moving from a 3-4 to a 4-3. Um, interesting enough, the 5-2, which is like the one of the Bears formations that in 85 that they used so much, narrowed it down to like a 5-2 to be best, but then teams got so fast that they having five linemen to clog up the middle was just not practical anymore, so they went to a 4-3. Mm-hmm. Then over time, uh, they found that the benefits of having five people on the line was still great, so that's when they moved to a 3-4. So that's when you still saw like the two outside linebackers on the line of scrimmage. So... Everything has its pluses and minuses. The way Oregon can kind of do that still is by playing a 4-3 over or under. And basically that's just dependent on which side the tight end is on. Yeah. I'll be I'll be excited to see how that transition works out next year. Yeah. Basically you just put an offensive linebacker on the line and just shuffle the line linebackers over to one side and you basically get five people on the line again. So There every, you go. Everyone on the show like Schwartz and the other guy were like, yeah, if we if we were running a defense, we'd do a 3-4. I think in a vacuum, a 3-4 creates a lot more opportunities and everything, mm-hmm. but maybe for the purposes of the University of Oregon, we got to go to a, a 4-3 just based off like, the get some pressure. Get. Yeah, just based on the uh, just based on the players that we're able to get. So... Because the personnel for a 3-4 is, to run at its best, is very tough to come by. So, um, a good a good, uh, good sign, though, is there's one defense in the NFL this last year who is considered to be... It's actually been for, like, the last three years. They've been considered to be one of the greatest three defenses of all time. Do you know who that team is? Who would that be? Seattle Seahawks. Of course. And they run a 4-3 defense. So they have exceptional defensive back play, and all their 4-3 guys are like have a very specific purpose for being there when they're like selected and drafted through free agency. Like there's a very specific reason why they're playing that spot. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that might help Oregon maybe a little bit more if 4-3 is the long way to if 4-3 is like a long term answer. So, USC uses a 4-3. So, I mean, at the end of the day, it's all down to execution. So, and... Exactly. Uh, even though I like the 3-4 more, the execution last year was... Not lacking. good. It was lacking. It had, room, it had room for improvement by virtue of having no more room to get worse. Mm-hmm. So, all right. Well, I know you have a timeline, and Colorado, Oregon State is about to tip off utah california utah california oh my god i'm still so hyped <laughs> still so hyped I'm we still just so hyped anyone's playing like what day it's is it saturday game. tuesday i don't know yeah. no one ever knows questions. anymore i'd like questions. i'd like to give one one last quick shout out to our blog community tonight 500 comments on our game thread tonight oh what's up very active that's probably like the most activity that game thread has gotten all season long 400 of those are probably in the end of regulation yeah um, just so WTFs bring, yeah bring it I, I looked I looked at I, I did a quick scan of of the comments and um, I forget the 
who posted it, but the the winning comment was nothing good happens after a night of tequila. That 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 goes down as comment of the night in my book. For the most part, yes. Depending on how you look at things. <laughs> Depending on if it's the shot ha- the shot glass half full or half empty. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. All right. That'll do it for us here at Addicted to Quack. Sling and Quack, there's so much left over. And we're going to have a whole new shipment tomorrow. Um, hopefully you guys didn't OD on this overtime game and one of the most exciting college basketball games we've seen in recent memory. Even though it brought back to mind moments of Oregon TCU and football. I was just thinking of that. Yeah. Thought I had escaped that. No. No. People don't forget. Uh, so that'll do it for us. See you guys next week.